0: That's outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to humanize communications at scale, from automating the soul-sucking manual work that eats up sales time, to providing action-oriented tips on what communications are working best. Outreach has your back. It's a great product. The company is filled with amazing people. And I can tell you firsthand, outreach will make your sales org better. Do yourself a favor and check them out today. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers and in, in, in your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to these sales success blueprints. Now... Get ready for some sales insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Robin Story, founder and CEO of Storyline Resumes, Robin founded her company in 2000 when her powerful approach to resume writing attracted significant attention from recruiters and high level HR professionals. As word of her talent spread, friends, family, and coworkers sought out her assistance in large numbers. The company grew quickly, and today Storyline is recognized as the number one resume expert on LinkedIn. Robin's firm is known worldwide for individualized service and amazing results. In a normal week, they're working on 100 to 125 new resumes at any given time, and today's environment, things are going nuts. At a time where salespeople and sales leaders in large numbers are finding themselves looking for their next gig, Robin is the perfect guest to give some pointers on how to stand out in a crowd. Now, I'm super excited to have Robin join us today. I think our conversation is going to help tons of people that have found themselves in a tough spot that they had no idea was on the horizon. Robin. Welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you as well. Um, we've had a lot of, of LinkedIn experts and number one experts in different disciplines join us, uh, but it's usually around thought, you know, LinkedIn sales thought leader, or LinkedIn prospecting expert, whatever. You are the first one that's, that's joining us on how to tell their personal story uh, at a the time they need it most. So I can't thank you enough for joining us. This is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Wonderful.
0: I'm excited. So tell us tell us about your company. Tell us about Storyline for those of us that uh, for our listeners that may not know you. Can you introduce our listeners to Storyline and how you help sales leaders and salespeople?
1: Sure. Uh, Storyline resumes has been around for about twenty years. Um, started off as a one woman show um, those twenty years ago. Uh, today we have a staff of twenty five. Um, we've got viewers uh, that help us gather information on each and individual client, and writers, a very experienced writing team. Uh, we are all U.S. based, and the team here at Storyline um, are all, I like to say, much educated than I uh, with my bachelor's degree. Uh, we have three PhDs on staff, two JDs, everyone's got an MBA, um, everyone is uniquely certified through various resume writing certification bodies, and everyone here is a former business executive. Uh, none of us are resume writers by trade. None of us really started out in the resume writing business, but what makes us good resume writers um, is the fact that we are all former business people, and our approach is that of a very genuine uh, storytelling approach that relates to other business re- other business uh, professionals uh, that may be reviewing your resume. Um, that's why this approach tends to work very well for our clients uh, because it's genuine and it's speaking at the level um, that other business leaders are speaking.
0: That's super, super impressive. I had no idea. Yeah, that, that's a powerhouse team. It sounds like you have, and I can see why that's so important as you're helping sales leaders from all levels. You know, probably from you know junior executives all the way up to CEO C-level talent just so what you're working with is is there like a segment that you particularly like to emphasize
1: yeah, I mean, absolutely. We work really with uh, sales folks across the board, um, from mid-level sales professionals to, you know, VPs and directors of some of the biggest companies in the world, um, anyone, you know, really from a sales background. Uh, we don't work a lot with entry-level candidates um, because we encourage them to work with their colleges and universities when they're just getting out of school. Um, so we tend to work with more seasoned, more experienced people um, that really need um, a great resume to set them and their accomplishments apart.
0: So I love that. The reason I asked that question is that we got all these listeners right now that are on lockdown. It used to be that everybody was listening to us, Robin, when they were like stuck in traffic or they were on the train or maybe they're on the treadmill and uh, now they're in lockdown and, uh, and most of the people that are listening to us, they have some kind of story to tell and that's why I love the name of your firm is that's what you do is you help them tell their story. It may not be uh, as effective when they don't have a story. Once you've got a story, you are an expert at helping them tell that story the best way possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every single person that we work with, um, when they come in the door, um, you know, we do a little vetting process to find out uh, what level, um, you know, of uh, professional that they are, and what level of resume that they might need. Uh, but ultimately, the process is the same, whether or not you are someone with say 10 years experience or 40 years experience. Every client is interviewed because every story is unique. Um, we get hundreds of resumes in a week. Folks that want to chat with us about their resumes, and I think the main component of resumes that we see, or what we call homegrown resumes, are that they could really belong to anyone. Um, our approach is quite different. What we're looking for is a more storied and a more genuine approach. Um, I love what I call the backstory approach: challenge, obstacle, opportunity. Um, mm. So we. T- you about your individual challenge. We talk about opportunities that you've had uh, to make improvements and then those outcomes and how it is that we can uh, communicate the value that you bring. Everybody talks about bringing value, but being able to tell a story that's very specific and genuine to an experience that you had um, is always going to resonate uh, much more with someone in a hiring capacity than just saying I met this goal or I met that goal. Um, so it ends up becoming a very granular, very personal, uh, you know, very storied approach. And I think genuine is always best um, so if you're a hiring manager out there or you're a recruiter and you've got hundreds and hundreds of resumes coming across your desk every single day or thousands every single week, the key to setting yourself apart as a professional in sales is that genuine approach, things that are specific and can only be owned by you.
0: All right. I'm really, really excited for this conversation. We've got a lot of people that are going to benefit from what we're talking about, but before we dive into some of the tips and, 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 and things that we that you're going to help our people consider can you just share a little bit more about yourself? How, I mean, this is really unique. You have a very unique company. You, you provide a very tailored, individualized, unique s- service that that's helping thousands of people. How, how, what's your story? How did, how did you come up with this? How did you gravitate to this? You know, how did you end up doing this? It's
1: actually a pretty funny story. Uh, When I um, got out of college, my first job was working for a company called Giant Eagle. They're a pretty uh, large uh, regional grocery store chain here in uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, from there, I went on to work for uh, Pepsi Cola. So I was working in the grocery and then the consumer packaged goods um, industry. And then I went on to work for Avaya. Um, During this time, you know, I was married and I had little kids at home. And I um, had said to my husband, I was doing so much traveling and I was doing so much, um, you know, I, I was working so many hours, you know, my My um, oldest child, I remember when she was in kindergarten, I was, you know, wrapping her up in a blanket and dropping her off at my mother's house at 4 o'clock in the morning so I could, you know, get to my office, uh, which was an hour and a half away from my house. And I said, you know, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think I want to do something different. I wanted to do maybe a little consulting because I'd come from, you know, large company backgrounds. And and that's kind of how it started. And so I started off doing some marketing and some human resources consulting because that was my background. And then a friend of ours um, said uh, to me, because I had been a hiring manager, um, a friend of ours said, you know, can you help me write him a resume that you would want to read? And I said sure. And so I, you know, he came over and we sat down and I helped him write his resume. Well, he immediately started getting interviews and he ended up getting a job. And then he called me a couple of weeks later and said, hey, I have another friend who, um, you know, needs some help. And I was like, sure. So, you know, I was, uh, you know, working and I was doing some. Consulting, and I was taking care of my kids, and then my husband finally said to me after like ten or twelve folks, he said, "Why don't you start charging a little something?" So uh, back then, twenty years ago, you know, we charged seventy-five dollars for my first resume.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sign me Started. up.
1: <laughs> and then as it grew, I added on uh, my first writer, um, you know, because I was uh, you know interviewing clients and I was doing all of the writing and all of the research, and my first writer that I hired on, I didn't know, uh, you know, where to find a resume writer to hire. He was actually a script writer uh, for uh, television. He was a comedy writer, and through those early years, you know, he kept me in stitches. He was a fantastic guy, fantastic writer. And so he was actually my first staff member. So then through the years, I uh, continued to hire and hire and hire and hire. And then our team grew pretty large. And now, um, even though I don't do any writing anymore, uh, because the, my team is so much better in it than I, um, through, in the past 20 years, I estimate that we've worked with about 160,000 customers here. That's how it started.
0: That's amazing. What a cool story. So doing some sales uh, sales early in your career, now you're, now you're helping people sell themselves. I love it.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's get let's let's dive in. Let's roll up our sleeves. We've got a little bit of time, and we're going to talk uh, about how to help. Excuse me, <coughs> I apologize for that. We're going to talk about how we help salespeople really stand out. There's a lot of people, Robin, right now that are just hurting, and one of the things I love about the sales community that a lot of people that aren't part of our community don't know is salespeople are really rallying around. You know, companies like Outreach are putting resources together to make it easy to find companies that are hiring, and. You know, my, Some of the, the venture companies like Emergence Capital are sharing lists of hiring companies. And, and so what we're finding is there still are companies that are in growth mode and they're trying to take advantage of, of so much great talent available and to pick up great people. And I think you you've may have seen that some people are still getting hired as well. I, what I want to talk about is how do people sell themselves best? How do they tell their story, you know, what these, these people are all different levels of, of expertise, whatever, but what can they do to really be an apple to everybody else's orange or, or however you want to say it, how do they tell their own story? What are some key things that, you know, you say, these are the things to look at to really start to tell your story?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I think that, uh, you know, sales folks, uh, whether or not they're individual contributors or they're leaders of, you know, large global sales teams, um, you know, the the, the proof is in the pudding. It's all in the numbers, right? So people tend to have lots and lots of lists of numbers um, in their resumes, uh, which in some cases is, you know, it's it's okay. Uh, But what we really like to do is sort of build a story around uh, those numbers. So for instance, uh, let's just take it from the perspective of an individual contributor. Say you're an individual contributor, you're working for a technology company, and you inherit a group of 10 accounts. Um, And those 10 accounts, when we would interview you for your resume, we would say to you, um, when you took over these 10 accounts, what was the gross accumulated revenue that these 10 accounts were producing in 2016, for instance, when you got this job? And then we would say, well, what are they producing now? And you would say, well, they were producing 6 million, and now they're producing 12 million. Then our next question is going to be why? Give me a specific story about a specific customer, about a specific situation that you inherited. Maybe it was a customer that didn't have a lot of trust or loyalty to your organization. Maybe it was a customer that had previously brought or bought into your technology and maybe it wasn't being supported or they didn't know how to use it. You were able to then take that relationship and say, okay, so maybe you were doing a million dollars with me a year and now you're doing $3 million with me a year. And the reason is because I really got involved with your staff. I really got involved with your team. I've really gotten involved with uh, being able to provide the resources to help your organization optimize the technology that you bought from me. Now you're loyal to me. Now you are wanting to do business with me because now you trust me. So in essence, instead of saying I grew account from X to X, being able to tell a story um, about how it is that you built that loyalty, how it is that you identified a problem and how it is that you were able to provide a solution is going to be much more meaningful to the reader of your resume than just, I grew this account from one to 3 million. That's right, the let's let's
0: push pause on the, I, t- I took that concept and I turned it into two things and I want to make sure I'm doing this right. Cause you're okay. the expert and I'm not. And, and I think that you're, I, I really love where you started. So the first one I wrote down was impact. You, you said numbers and, but then you talked about a few things related to it. You know, what kind of impact did we create? That when you tell your story, it wasn't just that I worked hard and it's not just that I did a lot of things. I created impact. And there's two things that I, that I wrote down that I want to, I want to look at before I get to the second part. Okay. One was, it was measurable that, that you were able to do something that was measurable. And the other part of it was you have a mindset of doing more than just showing up. Can you, Am I right on that? Can you get? Is there any color that you can give to that? Is there any advice? You, you can are. Give a,
1: you are a thousand percent right. Um, it is very easy to communicate your value um, by saying that I produced X amount of revenue. But in this day and age, when there is so much competition for jobs, when there is going to be much more competition for jobs in two months' time than there are right now, um, you need to be able to show it is how you got from point A to point B. People tend to be interested, or hiring managers or recruiters tend to be interested in the granularity of your story. So Mm. it is meaning it is much for more meaningful um, to read about something that was bad that you made good as opposed to just um, you know I inherited this account it was doing this and then it was doing this that to me makes you human I think the problem with hiring today the recruiting, Function The interview process is that it's so uh, black and white and people just aren't. There are so many depths to what we do and types of personalities and really good um, characteristics that folks have that they negate to include on their resume or to even communicate on their resume. Being human and being someone who can solve a problem or go the extra mile, and I'm not just saying put on your resume, I go the extra mile, but being able to tell a story for how you've done that is always going to make you more valuable than someone who hasn't. That's the point.
0: So that's the second part. So I started with that we are impact-oriented, and the second part of this was there was, again, the use I word, and because I'm a sales guy, so I'm speaking to our customers, and I'm, I'm going to take what you said, and I'm going I'm to put a label on it. So I need you to tell me if I'm doing it right, Robin. Um, process. What's the process? And the reason that's important is you can give re- people reason to believe that you didn't get lucky, but that it's repeatable.
1: Absolutely. That's the, the, you know, the kind of depth and richness of a story uh, that makes you you and that makes your experience and your contributions genuine. Um, I tell this great story about a man uh, that we had worked with, and I I won't name the company that we had worked with or that he was working for. Um, Is it okay if I give an example?
0: Yeah, I want you to, of course, yeah, for sure.
1: for a technology company, and this particular technology company had just like other um, uh, organizations in their sales um, organization, there are different levels of salespeople. Um, he happened to be um, sort of entry to mid level where he was selling a particular uh, tech, um, it was servers, um, to uh, the metro New York City area. And his job was to call on what is called the SMB space, or the small to medium sized business space, um, and sell some, you know, tech that was appropriate for their organizations. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, he had uh, had met a woman um, who uh, worked for a an assisted living community in the Greater um, New York Metro area, and she was interested in talking with him. And he went and he made the sell. And then she called him a couple of weeks later and said, Hey, you know, in this particular region, we've got eight different locations and, um, you know, these eight locations might really be interested in uh, kind of going the same route. And so he went to his boss, and he said to his boss, um, you know, I've been approached to sell to these eight locations. I know that I'm supposed to be selling individual one-offs. Is it okay if I go after this business? Then his boss checked into it and said, yeah, absolutely, go for it. So he ended up Going and meeting with them um, and selling to all eight locations. A couple of months later, he gets a phone call um, from the US headquarters and they said, You know, we're really interested in uh, doing this throughout uh, the country. There were several hundred locations. They wanted to invest in technology. It was a very good time. Goes back to his boss and says, Is it okay if I pursue this? I'm not in national accounts, but, you know, I feel really loyal to these folks and, you know, they trust me. And his boss looked into it and said, absolutely, go ahead. By the time it was all done, the sale that he had made, the commission on it was $1.1 million. Nice. And I have to- the company, they paid him the commission, and then immediately afterwards, they changed the rules of engagement. But that is a story that we told on his resume that was so unique and so indicative to him. He did all of the right things, but the moral of the story was that this company, from a local level, trusted him and he had built such great relationships and was so supportive of their growth and what they needed um, that his boss kept giving him the green light. So for him, that's the story of a lifetime. That's the kind of stuff that you want on your resume. Oh, uh,
0: What a great story, Robin. Thank you for sharing it. And, and as I listen to you, this is I'm glad that we paused on this because this is much more than just having the impact mentality. Uh, what I do is measurable. And I, I know I created, you know, a better place than when I started. What I like is uh, and maybe I'm going off, but it, but uh, I I'm a fan of Kurt Vonnegut. I don't know if you know him as a writer. He's an American author. And, I
1: do.
0: Okay, so Kurt had this belief that there were only a few shapes of stories. That every story needed to have like a shape to it that built tension and had a resolution and all that kind of stuff. And and he actually he actually identified them. And after he died, uh, someone used uh, data science to to see if he could prove what was right. And the most popular stories fell into one of his eight categories, you know, like, you know, boy meets girl or from bad to worse and have happily ever after and all these different kinds of things. What you're saying is you need to create more than just the happily ever after part, add some of the tension in the story and make it so this is something they really want to read. They can't wait to meet you so they can, you know, get the the rest of the story on. How did you handle this? Right. That's what I'm gathering as I listen to you.
1: Absolutely. You know, I always say it's not just enough to say, hey, I was in the president's club or hey, I was in the top 1% or 10% in my company. What are the things that you believe contributed to you being there? And ultimately, we find that there is a resounding theme um, in our clients' histories, whether or not it's a theme of turnaround, whether or not it's a theme of, you know, sort of inheriting the, the difficult customers or the accounts that, um, you know, don't Uh, generate the kind of revenue that they should. From a management perspective, maybe it's the ability to take a team of sort of mediocre or medium performers and really turn them into superstars. And and back in the day, I remember when I was interviewing, um, and now of course I've trained my team and they ask the same kinds of questions, and I would say to a, a sales leader or a sales manager, tell me about a time when you took somebody that was struggling and turned it into a superstar. And you know, I've got to say 99.9% of the time, sales leaders have those stories. That's what makes them good sales leaders. Um, So those are stories that are relatable because let's face it, in everyone's life at one time, whether you want it to be or not, you were a mediocre performer. Whether or not you're the human resources or the recruiter on the other end reading that resume or you're a salesperson that was just struggling to get um, the deal closed someone in your life kind of came along and either uh, showed you the way or provided you that extra nudge or that support that you needed. And some of these stories can be really emotional. Some of these stories can be really um, compelling and some of them can be Such great outcomes Um, you know especially things that are personal and you know as a sales leader of course your job is to go in every day and make sure that everybody is selling but it's also to know the team and sometimes people are struggling and it might be a personal thing or it might be a a performance thing maybe it's something in their life that's going on those are all things that are great fodder uh, for resumes without getting too in the weeds uh, you know we love to be able to show that um, a sales leader um, takes an interest at a depth that maybe you wouldn't
0: see on a traditional resume all right so let me let me go deep on another one so if you were sitting here in my office with me as I talked to you'd you see I'm burning up a notepad right now Um, (laughs) you used the word now three times now I want to I want to and I think that you've given us some good some good context for it but I think it's important enough that I want to address that word with a little bit of of specificity if, if we can the word you used was relatable Um, Any tips in addition to, like, just add the color to the story? Is there any, like, top-of-mind suggestions? How do you make your story relatable?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I actually got a note from um, a client of ours um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, She had recently um, undergone treatment for breast cancer and she had said to me um in the note you know hey i'm coming off three months you know i took some time off i feel like i have this gap in my resume you know how should i approach this on my resume and she said she had gotten uh, some different advice um from different people you know just don't mention it or just say you know medical leave and i said oh the words medical leave kind of you know scare uh, hiring managers or employers, you know and i said you know make a little uh an entry on your resume that said you know i spent three months uh kicking breast cancers ass and she laughed about it but that kind of stuff is absolutely relatable so instead of trying to sort I of love cloud,
0: that i freaking yeah love
1: that. that's <laughs> that we take we want to be honest you know I always call it the the SS story the you know the the the, the beat story you know where it was a mess and you came in it those are things that are relatable because everybody relates to inheriting or taking something or managing something that wasn't very smooth <laughs> oh. and being able to tell that story about how you came in and you you took what was the worst and you turn it into the best that tells me something fundamental about you
0: what about what about addressing failures? I mean, I, like I said, you know, everybody had a point where they were not that uh, a top performer. Do you uh, address failures, or do you let them ask you about that in a re- in an in interview? I mean, any thoughts on that? I
1: think you know, um, I think. Is definitely something that you want to address in an interview. I know that uh, you know for a while there we were seeing this trend where um, everyone was putting on their resume that you know I worked for ABC Company from such and such date to such and such date and I got laid off. And then uh, the next job was you know I worked for such and such company and then I um, you know the the business closed. Or, I'm not a big fan of that approach because I think it leaves the reader with a sense of negativ- negativity. If you can't really think of something positive um, in an employment experience that you've had, um, if it was really a mess, maybe the person that hired you um, you know left shortly thereafter, or maybe you were in a situation which I've heard many different times where uh, companies that are um, you know in startup mode or maybe post startup they, they're really ramping up and they, they want you to get out there and sell and you're selling, but then they can't fulfill the order you know, or then you had to leave. I'd just say minimize that on your resume. Sometimes there are going to be um, situations or obstacles that no matter how hard you try or how good you are, that you're not going to be able to overcome. Think of one positive thing that you did. Maybe it was, uh, you know, recapturing a relationship. Maybe it was coaching or mentoring someone. Maybe it was leaving them with a process that was better than what you left it. But think of one positive thing. I tend to not get into negativity on a resume what I perceive to be negativity on a resume because I think it puts people off. So that's good. sort of my advice, find one thing. And if you can't think of one thing, uh, then put a line or two about the experience and then move on to something that you can think of something that's really a good positive result.
0: I'm glad I asked that. I wasn't, didn't have that on my list of things to talk about. You just kind of prompted me as I was talking to you. So I'm glad we asked that. Let's shift gears just for a minute as we keep moving. Cause I, I, I can see that I'm going to run out of time with you. Um, sure. And I'm already bummed about that. Um, <laughs> the relationship between a resume and LinkedIn. I mean, so I've heard some people say resumes are unimportant and LinkedIn's all that matters. Uh, I've heard people say you need both. You're, you're an expert at this. You've helped hundreds of thousands of people on this. You know, what are you seeing? Yeah. What, what's the relationship? And I, I mean, sure. I, I've also told they can't be the same, right? they got to be different.
1: No, I mean, they should definitely be different. So resumes still tend to be sort of formal documents. They still have that sophisticated kind of air about them. And on a resume, since we talked so much about turnaround and uh, sort of inheriting something that maybe was broken, um, you can really go into some detail about that on your resume because your resume is being shared with a captive audience. On LinkedIn, it's a public forum, so if you were working for a well-known company and part of your story is that... Something was a mess, or something was, you sort of inherited a mess from maybe the person that left it before you, or maybe the company was challenged in some way. I don't recommend putting what I call, quote-unquote, sort of dirty laundry um, on your LinkedIn profile. Number one, it's a public forum, so you want to – I always uh, say, you know, use the rainbow and sunshine approach to LinkedIn. While LinkedIn is a business site, uh, you should feel more approachable. It should feel more like a narrative, uh, but leave the dirty laundry for your resume. That's always my advice.
0: That's good advice. Would you – Would you encourage people to use LinkedIn to help tell the story by using multimedia or, you know, things like that? Any, any suggestions there? I mean, um, you- I'm
1: not a big fan of attaching your resume on LinkedIn um, because I don't think that people go to your profile and necessarily click your resume. And, you know, even though a lot of folks are using LinkedIn for um, a job search, it does Necessarily mean that it's something that you want to broadcast Um, so I say let your profile be your profile let your resume be your resume LinkedIn has a great job board and I encourage our clients to apply for um, jobs on LinkedIn because they've got a terrific job board plus it's also sort of a throwback I always call it a throwback to the days when uh, you got an interview because your dad knew a guy that had a brother that worked at such-and-such and they made an introduction LinkedIn is like that, but on a global level and on steroids. So um, if you are interested in a position at Company X, you can actually look up Company X and see how it is that you might be connected to someone there. And then ask for an introduction. We make loads of introductions here um, on LinkedIn um, for our clients and uh, folks that follow us and people that we've been connected with. And um, for me, that is sort of a throwback to the day when you got to talk to somebody just because of someone who you knew. And sometimes that's the edge that you need. When companies are getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of resumes, um, you know, it can be really difficult to sort of rise to the top of the pile, no matter, um, you know, how good your resume might be. Getting that sort of introduction from a trusted um, person or a trusted partner partner or a trusted connection um, is definitely a part of um, our approach as well. And we encourage people to um, use their network and ask for those introductions. And then, you know, sort of the, you know, hitting the the, the uh, nail with the hammer, sending over a great resume uh, with your backstory. And then I think the combination of those two things are magic.
0: Cool. Is, is there, I mean, is there, so I like that. Let the resume be the resume. Let the LinkedIn be the LinkedIn um, don't don't try and air dirty laundry. Take the the sunshine and rainbows approach. Is there anything that you would say people you see as a common uh, or something that you should really try to get right on LinkedIn that maybe
1: you very I mean, often I, find I, you people know, there doing a, wrong? Sure, I, I apologize. Uh, there was a little delay there. Um, There is definitely um, sort of this approach where um, if someone has lost their job um, or they were laid off or they're looking, they they sort of go to LinkedIn to kind of announce seeking opportunities or um, looking for a new job. I'm not really a big fan of that approach. I would much rather see a headline headline. that speaks to you, um, something unique to you. I think that one of the um, greatest sort of things that LinkedIn uh, offers people is a chance to be themselves I am attracted to humor, so a lot of the posts that I write are sort of humorous. Um, a lot of the things that I look at on LinkedIn, the people that I follow, uh, because I think that you know definitely breaks up um, the day. Um, so I say, I don't want to say be funny or you know uh, you know sort of a joke in your um, LinkedIn headline, but you want to be aggressive. If you are the best of the best of what you do, it's okay to say that. Or if you are the um, you know the the king of supply chain. It's okay to do that on your profile. We get it. It's tongue- in cheek, but to me, it's much more attractive. That makes you much more of an attractive candidate than someone who is quote unquote looking for opportunities. I always say, be someone who is offering something instead of being someone who is looking for something.
0: Ah, I like that. Be someone who is offering something, not someone who is looking for something that That probably is the title to this episode, <laughs> when this one goes live. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I like that. That is really, really strong. And and I think if you just use that as a lens, that's probably going to solve a lot of problems right there from the get-go, right?
1: And I think that even taking that sort of a step further, you know, when you're asking um, someone on LinkedIn um, for an introduction um, or you're asking for help, um, we get hundreds of notes here um, a day or a week or over the course of several days. Um, can you help? Can you help? Can you help? And the answer is always... Uh, you know, I own a service business, of course we can help, but when I'm reaching out to um, a connection who I have no um, specific business relationship with and I want to make an introduction um, to a client that is interested in a job at their company, and we make lots of introductions here, the first thing I say is thank you for your time. Can I have one minute? Um, here's the job, here's the person. Um, you know, Can you point this person in the right direction? Make it, making it easy for someone to respond to you with a yes or a no or a name or a, a willingness to pass your information on is one thing. But when you message someone on LinkedIn, whether it's a recruiter or a hiring manager or someone else involved in the hiring process and say can you help me, that seems like a really big sort of request. So breaking it down and making it easy, hey, I follow you on LinkedIn, or hey, I saw that you're hiring for this job, here's my resume, here's a couple reasons why I think it might be a good idea for us to talk, and leave it at that. Or asking someone for an introduction. Don't say, hey, do you know somebody, at someone, some company that you can make an introduction. That's a lot of work for that person, everybody's busy. All you, you, you want to flip that and say, hey, I see you're connected to Joe Schmo or Jane Schmo, here's the position I'm interested in, would you be willing to make an introduction? The, the connotation of that is so different, and I think that you know, um, people feel sort of overwhelmed with the job loss and they need help and they want to use their network, but you have to do it in a way that is going to make it easier for people to respond and help you.
0: Love it. All right, so we're down to about just about 10 minutes left, just under 10 minutes. So I, 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 I'm trying to figure out what things I want to finish with. I, I got a couple that I think I want to address, and then we'll, we'll let you give a couple final tips. First thing, um, when I graduated from college years ago, I'm not going to really get into how long ago that was. Uh, the The way that we were taught to do resumes certainly is different than it is now in 2020. For sure, has to be. Um, I see a lot coming through that look like they're a magazine article or it's like you know laid out like an infographic sometime is there any any pointers you might give on when you're actually putting it together I mean how important is layout and design and should it be an infographic or should it be you know words I mean what's the best way to tell a story in your opinion yeah
1: absolutely we what we call presentation style resumes so everything is in color everything has graphics everything has boxes we love to use quotes um, about you on your resume and part of the homework that we give our clients um, is for them to find a couple of jobs that they're interested in a couple of nice things that someone has said about them and inevitably those kinds of uh, quotes make their way um, onto the resume Um, I have always believed that sometimes what other people say about you is more important than what you say about yourself Um, so we love to take that kind of of approach now that said we understand that there is a certain way that people need to apply for jobs and there is a practicality that needs to be considered and a lot of those presentation style resumes are ever going to make it through any kind of applicant tracking system Um, so we know that we're writing to a couple of audiences we're writing resumes to people but we're also writing resumes to ATS so every customer that leaves us with their package gets their resumes in three different files. And that is one that is that great presentation with the call out and sort of bringing the attention to where the real key accomplishments have been. And then there's what I call the ugly resume, which is the ATS friendly. This is the one that you would use if you're applying online and your resume is being parsed. So I think sort of knowing where to use what and how to apply and how to get your application in is sort of half the battle um, in a job search, and you would be surprised at how many people don't understand that there are different formats and files. So everybody should have their resume in a couple of different: oh, a Word file, um, or a Pages file, um, a PDF file, and then a an applicant tracking friendly called an ASCII file or an ATS friendly file.
0: Wow, you count me as one of those people that didn't know that. I right? you just, you know, I was like, wow, okay, I can see why you say that though.
1: Um, yeah, I mean. I- long ago, I mean, and you know, don't get me wrong. When we're wrapping up packages and we send all of these digital files to our clients, um, we give very detailed and specific instructions on where to where to use this and where to use that and where to, um, you know, how to ask for help and what sort of file and you know the situation where. But, you know, sometimes people don't read it, Or and I had a gentleman not long ago. He said, I'm sending my resume, and, um, you know, I think they're interested in it, um, but, you know, there's no way to contact me. Um, you know, he was sort of uh, submitting the wrong file, and, the, you know, his contact information was buried somewhere, and, you know, the, the company actually had no way to contact him. So, you know, knowing oh. what yes, they reached out to him through LinkedIn, thank goodness, Um You know, but that's not always going to work. Um, They were able to kind of figure Somebody took the time to figure out who he was and send him a note through LinkedIn. But if you're doing the wrong thing and you're submitting something that maybe uh, has headers or flitters or there's a, um, you know, a tech issue, you have to make sure that you're um, using the right kind of stuff. So you would be surprised how often that happens.
0: So you just said something that I want to pause on. I'm going to I think it's big enough that I'm going to stop on this for a minute. <clears throat> I love how you said that you think that it's best to have like what others say and have the, the voice of others uh, that that should res- resonate with every salesperson. We, we know that we, we can't just speak the language of our customers. We want to speak with our customer's voice. Is this a reason why, you know, we should make it a, something that we do to try and gather like LinkedIn recommendations as we go through our career, not just when we're looking for a job so you can use that, that would seem like a natural place to get some of those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of times, um, you know, uh, back in the day, people used to keep these Brad books, they were physical books that, you know, they would print out awards or honors or letters of recommendation. Of course, in the digital age, you're not going to do that. Um, But absolutely, you always want to get someone um, to say something nice about you when you're leaving an organization, you know, go to your boss, go to the CEO if you engage with that person, uh, go to a customer and say, would you write me a short recommendation? Um, I find that the most meaningful um, recommendations. And you know, when we have clients send that stuff in, you know, we look through them and we find you know what we consider to be the most meaningful. I always think the most meaningful recommendations that a sales leader can have um, are from someone that they coached or mentored along the way. Um, Yes, customer, um, you know, recommendations are great, uh, but if you really want to put some punch into your leadership um, claims and your leadership style, um, get recommendations from people that you grew and developed through the years, that to me is uh, the the thing that sort of throws your resume over the edge.
0: So for every job you've had, you ought to be thinking maybe, someone I worked with, maybe someone that led me, maybe someone I developed. So you could easily think of two, three, four types of recommendations that you're gathering to put on your LinkedIn to have at the ready. So you could use them as appropriate on your resume. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I always recommend and, um, you know, tell folks to make sure that uh, when you're getting a, a formal performance review, a lot of companies still go through the effort of making a formal performance review where your boss may have written some sort of narrative, maybe Um, set goals the previous year and then talked with you or wrote down on your performance review, Uh uh, you know, those You've met some of the, uh, the most rich kind of uh, content uh, for recommendations and things about you come from those performance reviews. So I tell everybody to make a copy or screenshot their performance review um, and always, you know, keep that. Um, you know, take it home. Take it home with you or, you know, put it on your phone or something that belongs to you. Because a lot of times if you are leaving or, um, you know, in, the, in this day and age when you might be getting laid off or you might be leaving an organization, you don't have time to gather that stuff. So,
0: yeah. you
1: know, it's good to keep copies of those things.
0: Alright, we're, we're, we're on the last like three or four minutes here. So what's the number one biggest mistake you see, particularly sales leaders or salespeople make? Is, is there one thing that you kind of see as a gotcha that happens more often than anything else? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think the biggest thing on a resume that I see is that, you know, that resume could really belong to anybody that works in that um, industry. It's not necessarily indicative or representative of you or your personality or your successes or your story. So for me, it can feel very impersonal uh, to read a resume that feels like everybody else's resume. That's probably the biggest uh, mistake that I see. But, you know, because we also work a lot With the senior level crowd and the executive level crowd, you know, ageism starts becoming an issue and, you know, folks want to go back and start listing things that they were doing when they got out of college. Maybe they got out of college in 1985 or 1986 and for me that that feels like a mistake. So, um, you know, we tend to focus on the last 15 16, 18 years on a resume, um, going back too far is definitely an issue, um, and, you know, not doing enough to show um, why you're a good leader or why it is that you have great outcomes is always a mistake, so, um, you know, using your job description on your resume is not really having a resume.
0: So, winning a high school debate competition should probably stay off of my resume at this point, right? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um,
1: to to what we see.
0: <laughs> so that's the biggest mistake. The so last thing I want to ask before we make sure that people can connect to you, and maybe this is a way just to summarize what you've talked about to maybe get a, it's a sound bite, I don't know. But if there was like one or two things that you would say, and it's the opposite of what I just asked you, what's the biggest mistake? What's the number one or two ways to just really make sure you stand out?
1: Um, I think that first of all, the number one way is to be able to kind of own your success um, in a way that You're not afraid to share it or talk about it. Um, You know, a lot of times when we're working with clients that have reached an executive level, you know, they're very humble. They want to be, they don't want to be, you know, too showy. They don't want to be... And I say, you know, there's no room for humility um, in a resume. Yes, you can be genuine and we won't be overly effusive. uh, But I think that the biggest thing is that you want to own it, tell a great story and be proud of it um, as opposed to try to downplay it.
0: Awesome. So awesome. You know, this was great. I I knew this was going to be a really fun conversation and a good conversation. I love your passion. I love your energy. Uh, it's clear that you know that what you do can help make a difference in the careers of the people that work with you for those people that are listening right now. And they say, I want more of what she has to offer, or I have questions or I have needs. How do they find more about your company? How do they connect with you? How do they pick up the conversation and keep it going? You know, how how do our, our, our audience connect with you?
1: Absolutely. If you uh, find me on LinkedIn, my name is spelled sort of odd. It's R-O-B-Y-N-N story, S-T-O-R-E-Y. So Robin story. Uh, you can send me a note through LinkedIn. Uh, my LinkedIn, uh, notes and emails are open. So you won't get dinged uh, by sending me a note or pick up the phone and call me. Um, I'm happy to give my phone number if that's something that you allow. Yeah, do it. Yep. 724-832-8845. Give us a call um, this is my main number. This is direct to me. Um, so if I don't pick up, leave a message, we return all calls within one business day.
0: All right. Robin story. I love it. She's helping people around the world, tell their story in the best way possible. Uh, I love so much about this. I love the idea of being the person with something to offer. Right. And so if, if there's one thing you do, make sure you tell your story in a way that shows you are the person to offer. And, and Robin, thanks so much for joining us. And as we say to everyone, happy, happy selling. And and in your case, happy storytelling.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: Hey everyone. Welcome to another so what portion of the sales leadership podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I need to thank our friends at Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast and for helping us showcase great leaders like Robin Story and take a closer look at what managers can do to be more effective in the modern sales world. Because that's exactly what Outreach is all about. Helping managers create environments where salespeople are more effective faster. Outreach will help you create sales engagement your reps and your customers will thank you for and they will do it at scale very quickly. Outreach is built by salespeople for salespeople, and they know how to help you scale. That's why they're a manager and a salesperson's best friend. Speaking personally, I can tell you that there's a fantastic group of people at Outreach that has built fantastic technology, and it just works. Now, I hope you've noticed recently that I've been having different conversations with the guests on the podcast. This is on purpose. I'm trying to help Uh, Each of you adapt and react to the current conditions by talking about topics that might not have been as relevant three weeks ago, four weeks ago as they are today. And in the great recession of the early 2000s, a total of about 8.4 million jobs were lost. Okay. Right now in this pandemic that we're in the middle of, we're seeing over 8.4 million jobs disappear every 10 days uh it's the fastest hit to the economy that we've ever seen and there has never been a time more important in any of our careers to make sure that we have our resume current and dust it off Um, now if you don't need to do this right now i'm happy for you but you will have friends you will have family members you will have colleagues and members of your network that are in desperate circumstances the ability to help introduce them to opportunities is going to be really important But also the ability to consult with them and help them become more hireable will also be very important. And if the most important thing we can be is highly successful at our own jobs before we go to the next one, we got to remember that in many of these cases, these millions of jobs that are going away are going away at no fault of the person who lost their job. So I want to give a few of my own thoughts to supplement what Robin shared. I think Robin gave us a really nice blueprint But what I wanna do is also make sure that you're in a spot where you can really help people tell that story. So the first thing that I think is most often overlooked is I see too many people that use a resume to make just a laundry list of the things that they've done. Instead, use this to tell a story. And the story you wanna tell is how you create impact. I believe the purpose of a resume is just to secure an interview, it's not to secure a job. And so you need to ask yourself, does this CV, does this resume tell a story? And does it make it crystal clear how they create impact? To do it, you're going to want to use specifics, not generalities. Don't say things like, I was a top rep. Instead, say, I was X percent above goal, or I ranked number two of 95. Uh, List very specific things on how you create impact. And this is why if you're not documenting your personal journey and you're keeping records and leaderboards and all those things of where you stand, you need to do it. These are important things for you to have so you can demonstrate quickly how you create impact. So that's the first one, tell an impact-oriented story. But the second is don't meander. Make it crystal clear, okay? Don't ever make someone have to figure out if you are awesome or not, okay? We don't want this to be an awesome or not game and, and hope that they found the right thing. Make sure that the truth in your story hits them right between the eyes immediately, not just in one place, but with everything they see, everything you write, make it super easy for them to see your greatness. Here Those are the first two. Here's the next place that I think a sales leader looks, at least for me it is. You need to show that you didn't just get lucky. So make sure that you reference to your process. If process is strong, success is inevitable. If process is weak, success is unsustainable. What fueled your success? You know, If you're in a high transaction area, then maybe you had the highest call volume. Uh, If you're in the enterprise area, then maybe you understood the ability to use the process and get engagement from customers faster. Whatever it is, demonstrate that you understand what fueled the success, and most important, how much consistency was there. Nobody wants to get the high-performing salesperson that just got lucky, and it's something that people think about. Finally, give some hints to what make you you as an individual. What is it that fuels you? How are you more than just a successful sales machine? I can tell you that when I meet with candidates here next went, it is never for their skills because I assume those were already vetted by my team. When I meet with them, it is always for fit. And I appreciate having any insight to the humanity of someone. What's their passion? What makes them go? I've learned that if someone is not having the ability to be passionate outside of work, there is zero chance that they're going to be passionate inside of work. Um, Because what you do outside of work always will be more important than what you do at work. So going through this process really drives you to be introspective, and I think it helps you learn to think in terms of impact. Having an impact mindset is going to help you in the job you're in, which will only help you when the time comes that you're looking for the job you want to go to, whenever that time may come. So thanks to Robin for joining us and sharing some much appreciated pointers on this important asset for every single one of us. Thanks also to the outreach team for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Outreach is the leading sales engagement platform. Supercharge your revenue-building efforts and check out Outreach today. Uh, If you you haven't registered for Outreach on Lease yet, do it, okay? Tell them I sent you. Uh, There's going to be great content there. Give it a shot. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you found today's episode helpful, please share it. And please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It's what makes it easier for more people to find the show. And as the show grows, I can bring you more and more of the world's greatest sales leaders. So here's to making sure that you have an impact mentality and that you're able to be a help to those around you at such a crazy time. And as always, don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.